We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, everyone, here we go. First ever Emergipod episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast. The Buffalo Savers have fired head coach Ralph Kruger. And I got Joe Yurden, sports writer. Hockey writer, sports personality, good friend of mine. What's going on, Joe? How you doing? Doing good, Pat. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's uh, fun circumstances, I guess, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> plenty to talk about, obviously, but l- let me start here by saying this. This is not a shock to either of us, at least. It's definitely not a shock. I mean, everybody knew this was coming sooner or later. Um, we had a discussion, so we're doing this emerger pod late morning on Wednesday. You and I talked pretty late Tuesday night. And, uh, I kind of knew this was coming, not really, um, solid and concrete enough to report, so to speak. Yeah. But you know, we we knew it was coming. I told you in a DM that somebody told me who's connected with the Sabres. He says, get ready to do a a podcast tomorrow. Do ready to get ready to do an unplanned podcast tomorrow. (laughs) And in regards to Kruger, he didn't come right out and say what was going on, but kind of got the hint there. But anyway, Um, I I don't know. I mean, what do you make of this? So, I mean, they're on a 12 game winless streak again, hardly surprising. They're dead last in the NHL, just Mm -hmm. 16 points in 28 games, which is just, man, it's hard to fathom. But what do you make of this? Is this the right call? I mean, obviously it's the right call. He was not going to work out as head coach, but is it the right call right now? Is this something that you think should have happened maybe a couple weeks ago? Or is this something that maybe you said to yourself, well, he's going to be gone, but maybe just may as well wait to the end of the season. Uh, like, what are your thoughts going uh, through your head right now? Well, I, I, I'm firmly in the camp of that. This should have happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, as things went on and, you know, I was, I was there on Monday to watch them just get absolutely pasted by the Capitals. Um, 
And, last you know, straw, right? Yeah, that was the last I, straw, you think, for sure? I mean, that didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the last straw because, I mean, you're talking you're talking 10 losses before that. Um, so, I mean, if, if that, if getting, you know, blitzed six to nothing is your last straw after seeing 10 losses before that, then I don't know right. what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you there, but, um, but I, I became, I think, I think the term everybody uses on Twitter now is jokerified, uh, yeah. by, how, by how this thing went, you know, the, the loss to the devils on Tuesday, I was, I was just like, I was like, you know what? I was like, you know, and I, I was, you know, I had heard same as you did on Tuesday night that that this was it. Like, the, the you know, the, the ride was over. And I was my initial reaction was just like, you know what, that's kind of cowardly. You know, they don't want to like it, my initial reaction, you know, my you know, my flashpoint reaction is that they don't want to deal with the fans, especially 700 uh, frontline workers, possibly booing them <laughs> on Thursday. Um, yeah. You know, 700 workers and guests. Like, I mean, I, I imagine there's a lot of Sabres fans in, the, in, the, in that group and can't imagine walking in there. Losers of 12 in a row opening the building up for the first time and getting booed by people who've been dealing with COVID for the last year. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think about that and I mean, <laughs> If it wasn't going to be that, Joe, if it wasn't going to be the, if it wasn't going to be the frontline workers on Thursday, it was definitely going to be the fans that were paying money to go to the first game on Saturday, which do you think maybe, I think that that was a good gauge for the Bakulas to maybe say, you know what? I mean, uh, how do I say it? So you put up 1970 tickets, you know, yeah, 1970 tickets and Season ticket holders got first dibs, and they didn't come close to selling out. No. And as as far as I know, at least as of Monday, for sure, there were like around 500 seasons. I don't know where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think that had anything to do with it at all? I did hear Kevin Adams spoke to the media a short while ago, and he kind of, he said that fans really don't have anything to do with it. I don't know. Do you buy that? Do you think that maybe... Uh, he- like what no. you talked about on Thursday or Saturday, <laughs> do you think that has anything to do with it? Uh, no, I don't believe I don't believe Adams for a second on that. I think that I think there's no way they wanted this to. I mean, this is already snowballed way out of control as it is. I mean, you don't you don't go 0-10 and two in your last twelve games and not feel like you're fully ashamed. I mean, Adams had to you know finally came out of his came out of his rabbit hole last week to talk to everybody and talk about how mad he was. And then watch the, you know, watch them lose some more games on top of it. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons you can, you can chalk that up to, you know, Eichel's been playing hurt and, you know, you know, they've had the, the worst shooting luck of any team in the NHL. They've got bottom five goal ten. Like there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of, there's a lot of actual reasons to say, yeah, this isn't working out, but to, to give a coach that much rope, to say like, well, maybe you'll turn it around. Maybe you'll turn it around. I, to me, y- you you pull the shoot after uh, the whole thing with Skinner. Like to me, that's you know, th- like that happens, and you're just kind of like, I I think you pull Ralph aside and go, hey, what you know, what's going on here? What's the deal? Like, what, you talk about the scratchings, the healthy start. yeah, the, the yeah. three the three scratchings, and then the next two or three games they played were just devoid of effort completely. Like the team was just like, f you, dude. Like, like you can't, you're not going to do that to one of our guys. Like this guy's going to be here longer than you will. We know it. And you can't, you can't treat a veteran guy like that. You can't treat a guy who should be scoring, you know, 30, 40 goals a year for us that way. Skating with the taxi squad. Like 
you know, sorry, <laughs> sorry, man. Like if you're doing that to him, what's to say you're not going to do it to, to literally anybody else on this team. Next. You were there in person, you've covered this team and obviously you're more piped into this team, whether you're at the game covering it or not, then certainly than most people, do you feel like this is a team that at least to maybe some extent kind of just gave up? Cause they certainly looked like it. I mean, Monday, that six, nothing game was just completely embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And going back a couple weekends ago, in fact, two straight weekends, one was Philly. I can't remember the other two games. I'm so annoyed. I can't even remember. But I do remember ranting on this podcast about giving up my Saturday and Sunday afternoon a couple weekends ago to spend six hours of my life watching a team that couldn't score one goal. They just, they look <laughs> disinterested. Do you feel comfortable saying to somebody who covers this team that they kind of gave up? Uh, you know, I mean, we heard Adam say all the stuff today about, you know, how they really like Ralph. And that's true. The players really like him, but liking and respecting them as a coach is is a whole different ball of wax. I mean, that's that's certainly the case for Housley. I mean, they they really liked Phil. They 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 respected Phil for his history in the in the game and and everything he was as a player. And I I still joke around that he he threw the best passes in practice of anybody I've seen on the ice in my time here in the last eight nine years. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to coaching, like if you ain't got it, if you ain't got if you ain't got the 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 system or the moxie or the ability to to show guys that what you're showing them is is going to get it done, I mean, how do you how do you buy into a system where you know everything you're doing is counterproductive to what works? You know, like that was the case with Phil, and that was certainly the case with Ralph. I mean, whatever whatever Ralph's system was started looking a little bit too much like the way Phil's did at the end, especially defensively. I don't know if that's old bad habits popping up. Or the fact that he was just telling him, you know, this is how it's got to be done and it'll work best if we do this this way. And I mean, all I could have done, all, all I would have done was just shown him game tape from from Phil's last season coaching this team and been like, no, dude, this doesn't work. We know we know it don't work. Right. Um, but I think, you know, to say that guys weren't trying. I mean, of of all the guys in the team that you could say that would that if they just wanted to be to punt on it and say forget it, you know, screw this guy, hope he gets fired. Skinner would be the main one, but he's played outstanding. Like he's played outstanding. I know people are going to say Ooh, two goals, fine, I get it, but like that line's been their best line since Eichel's been out. And, it has, yeah, and you know that you know attribute that to Skinner, attribute that to Casey Middlestat jumping in and, and seizing an opportunity. I mean, do all that like that. Like that's fair. Um, but to say guys give up, I don't know, man, like, right. You know, right. You know, the, the guys that, that keep getting fingers pointed at them, like Reinhardt, Eichel and them, like, you know, Eichel's been played hurt all season. You know, Reinhardt's been their best player. You know, Skinner, <laughs> Skinner's been dynamite in, in all the muck that's around them. They've been great. And if there's an area to pick on its defense. And I guess that's probably why Steve Smith has gotten shown the door as well, because the defense is what's really fallen apart this year. And, um, I want to you know. talk, I definitely want to spend some time talking about the defense because I'm so glad you said that too, because everybody talks, and again, we'll get into this in just a few minutes about the lack of scoring, like all these big name guys who aren't putting the puck in the net and that's accurate, but I don't know what's going on with this defense. It seems like literally everyone except Jake McCabe before he got hurt has regressed this year compared to last year. I, and maybe when I said give up, maybe that was the wrong choice of wording, but they look to me like a team that was at least semi disengaged and yeah. a lot of guys were playing selfish. And I know a lot of, like for me, this last 
month or so has been one of, if not the lowest point that I could personally remember when it comes to Sabres hockey ever. And we go back to the tank years, but you know what, Joe, the difference between right now and the tank years was, I feel at least anyway, this is my opinion, the Sabres tanked because the organization tanked, like they got rid of good players. They brought in players that were going to ensure that they would finish last. But when those games were played, I felt like that team played pretty goddamn hard. They were just, they just were outgunned. This team at times looks like there's too many good players on this team. Too many stars like that tank team. They didn't really have many good players at all. This team's got a lot of quality players on the team. You mentioned Reinhardt and Skinner and Taylor Hall, who's a former MVP and Jack Eichel and Rosman Stalin, who's supposed to be this generational talent. You got a, a good young rookie in Dylan Cousins. Eric Stahl's a proven winner. Um, Olafs, he could score. There's a lot of talent on this team. So to underperform the way they have this year, I think is the biggest reason why fans have turned on them so bad. And it sucks to have this revolving door. This is the fifth coach since Lindy Ruff got fired in 2013. None of these guys have lasted more than two years. And you know, Joe, but Gula don't want to pay him for next year. And he's not going to be here. Three, uh, almost $4 million. Too. It was like 3.75, man. I don't know. How did he... How did he lose control of this team? Is I guess like what I'm asking you, you've seen a lot of these coaches come and go. This to me felt like at least on paper, a team that was talented enough, maybe not enough to make the playoffs. I mean, cause I had you on before the season and we talked about, you know, where their window was, but to woefully underachieve this much, I mean, how much of that do you, ultimately do you got to put on the coach and just how surprised are you right now? Well, it's, I think we said, I think what we talked about before the season started was that they need a lot of everything to go right to, to yeah. have a really fighting chance in this division, just because of how loaded the division was. And that to me is like this, this season, I joke the, I joke the, uh, after, you know, after Taylor Hall gets a slap shot in the mouth last night that, yeah, you know, the, the Sabres gold ring sponsor this year is Murphy's law. Cause anything that can go wrong <laughs> will go wrong. And it's, that's a hundred percent been the case this year. I mean, um, but what, you know, going back to, to the defense, you know, I, everybody was, you know, running circles around talking about how great McCabe's been playing, which is true. And then everybody was falling all over themselves to talk about how Rasmus Ristolainen after eight seasons finally has emerged and become a player. And, you know, he's become the guy that everybody's talking about. I'm like, well, he's paired with McCabe, who's actually playing well under Kruger. So I don't know how much of that is just aligning. But, hey, if it's working, run with it. Fine. Yeah. You know, then he gets COVID and he talks about his heart cracking when he's going upstairs. And you're like, oh, okay. And Kruger runs him out, you know, 20 minutes a night (laughs) after he comes back early from having horrible COVID. And. At that point, you're wondering, okay, well, you improve McCabe and Ristolainen, but at what cost? You know, you, you got those two guys to become solid contributors by either, you know, tinkering with their minutes, their deployment, or both. And you're like, okay, that's great. But Darlene has been an, almost a net negative under Kruger in two years. Um, Henry Yoki, how are you? After everything he started off doing well last year is now, <laughs> he's now been, sat, you know, sidelined. Uh, for poor play. Yeah. I think part of that is, you know, you know, they started with Scandella last year and Scandella, I mean, Scandella was another guy who improved dramatically because, you know, they, they he improved greatly under Ralph and they were able to move him, which I mean, hey, fair. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't going to stick around. He wasn't going to resign in Buffalo probably. So I get moving him, but you know, 
the the means of how the, you know the way that that came about where it's you know it's a whole other layer of stupid but um but i mean you know and the other guy yoki Haru had good luck good play with last year was mccabe so you know right. so in your efforts of trying to figure out ways to do it and you know they put montour with yoki Haru, and you know montour's another guy who struggled completely with with uh under ralph and with steve smith so i mean the number of you know i've just thrown out four guys out of a top six that they use that all regressed or gotten much worse under, under Ralph and Smith. So, you know, to me, you know, you're going to have, you know, you know, I mean, Don Granado is an interim and, you know, so, are, you know, Matt Ellison and Dan Girardi are as well. Those guys are going to have their hands full trying to, trying to get this, trying to get those guys back into a position where they're going to be a lot better off. And I just wonder how much, how much Don Granado is going to be able to, to, to do that and what kind of guidance there's going to be from the GM office. And, you know, if he, and, you know, of these guys that they can trade, which ones are going to be gone here in, you know, in a couple of weeks because of the trade deadline. So, you know, how hard do you go and, and try to figure this out? If you know, you're going to be trading guys like stall, or if you're going to trade hall, if you're going to trade Montour, you know, these guys that, you know, are on the, you know, that are UFAs next year where you're like, well, we should get something for them now. Um, try to get some 2022 draft picks instead of 21. Or if you're going to get 21 draft picks, just get a get a friggin' boatload of them to get as many lottery tickets as you can. Because even though that draft is not good this year, which is another reason for Sabres fans to just slam their head into a vice. But sure. Um, but if you get as many, if you if you just get as many, not necessarily lottery tickets, but just as many kicks of the can. Maybe you can find a couple of diamonds in the rough out there, but, but again, that falls to scouting and they don't have any scouts and they don't have a WHL scout and the OHL season hasn't even begun yet. And, you know, they're relying on video, which, Hey, fine, great. But I hope the video is better than some guy's highlight reel where they're like, wow, look at all this good stuff he's doing. And they're missing everything bad that they do. So it's, it's the whole thing where one problem finds another problem, finds two more problems. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Finds 10 more problems. And it's it's a self-made mess. And that's why finding, finding the next coach for this, the, the, the next coach has to be either really in love with the idea of coaching guys like Eichel and Reinhardt and Darlene and be okay with kind of sorting through the muck or they better be ready to build and they better be ready to rebuild because this, I mean, I mean, this is a rebuild that's been going on for, for eight or nine seasons. So, 
I mean, you, you, you kind of know what you're getting into when you, when you get into Buffalo, but, um, but that next coach better be ready to, to, to put on their big boy pants and, and be ready to, to, to do some development on the fly and some building with this because it's a lot to handle. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think that, well, so this move comes literally at the halfway point of a a 56-game season. Is it realistic to expect any on-ice improvement for the rest of this year with an interim coach? And and you mentioned it, a couple guys. I mean, hopefully a couple guys are going to get dealt so they can get something before these guys are going to be free agents anyway. Or is this a move that was made more and I buy a lot of, or put a lot of stock into this because, look, you can't say the fans don't matter. And if you're on social media, and I know Terry and Kim could care less about social media, but I'm sure there's people that report to them that are letting them know what's going on. And these last couple of weeks, I've had Twitter since 2009. Um, the Sabres haven't made the playoffs now going on a decade. I've never seen it so ugly. Like, there's nothing good to say about this team. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes this team anymore. No. At least as of right now, I think this move was made in part to at least say, hey, listen, we we do care about this organization. I'm talking about ownership because, I mean, a lot of fans that are saying right now, and maybe to some extent it's rightfully so, that they're so all in with the Buffalo Bills being a Super Bowl contender that the Sabres are a complete afterthought. And a lot of people are fans of both teams, but there are some people who really don't care about the Bills and they're Sabre fans or hockey fans. So maybe this was a message to some extent to say, hey, you know, we, we still care. Or you think that's got nothing to do with it? Um, I mean, it, it shows that there's a pulse, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's the nicest way to put it, honestly, because if they, if they really cared, I think they would have made this move two weeks ago um, to, be, to be on top of things. To, you know, and honestly, I keep pointing to the Skinner thing. Um, as, as the flashpoint, because I think that's really where, where all the wheels came off. Some of the wheels were off already, Agreed. Um, yeah. but it was, you know, but the, but the train was, you know, shooting up sparks and still going down the tracks. I think at that point, all the wheels came off and then the train is, is colliding the Eichel, down. That, that, and then the Eichel lie, Joe, I think that was another big thing. The yeah. press conference with Eichel, I th- were saying he was, uh, not hurt when he was, I, I, yeah, I, that that, I mean, too. that's that compounded problems <laughs> yeah. to, to be, to be totally blunt on that, 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 that in no ways did Ralph any favors because people were just already sore at him about Skinner. And I mean, it leaves it open to conspiracy theorizing about, you know, you know, does, does Jack do that? Because he, you know, cause because Skinner's his guy and he's just like, he's like, all right, well, let's, let's throw that out there. I mean, obviously the way he said it, that wasn't the case. Um, you know, Jack was pretty nonchalant and just being like, he's like, oh, no, no, I got hurt in the New Jersey game. Like, everybody's like, wait a minute. That's not what the coach said. Hey, coach, what's going on here? And then, you know, Ralph's, Ralph's just kind of tugging on his collar and saying, like, oh, geez, okay, all right, uh, my bad. Um, actually, hit, Jack had four injuries. Uh, my bad. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out that was actually the case. Right. Um, but, I mean, 
to, you know, I, this is, this is the classic, like I, in no way do I have to hand it to the Pagulas for finally getting this to, to stepping in and, and, and getting this handle because I mean, geez, I, I I, th- I try to put myself in in the shoes of people in in those positions to try to 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 get an idea of what my reaction would be given the druthers. Um, and I think if I were an owner, I would be much more out of the George Steinbrenner <laughs> mold, where I'd be going through I'd be going through people like shoes. Yeah, I grew up. Socks, I grew up around. You know? I grew up around that as a Yankees fan. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I mean, you know hiring and firing Billy Martin four times, you know, like oh, four or five times, like, okay, I get it. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, we're not winning right now. Well, screw you get out. Like that's, you know, somebody figure this out, but, um, right. Which means I would be a terrible owner anyways. So that, that, <laughs> that means nothing, but, um, but I think for, for what's going on here though, I, I mean, this is, this is a snowball that started out really small at the top of the mountain and it's just, it's just kept rolling. And at some point, at some point that, that snowball becomes an avalanche and then the town is threatened at the bot at the base of the mountain. And I think, I think right now Buffalo has, a, they've abandoned the Sabres and that avalanche, the avalanche can wreck the town and nobody's going to care because everybody's over in Billsville checking out what's going on over there and living happily and, you know, and peacefully with, with what's going on with the football team. But I mean, firing the coach and, I mean, whether is whether this team plays better or not, I don't think it really matters. I mean, especially as long as the interim tag is is on Granado. I mean, hey, if they play better and the pucks start going in suddenly after not going in for twenty eight games, uh, that's great. You know, I don't care about the draft stock because this draft stinks. So, I mean, if if it hurts them getting the number one pick, bummer. Okay, great. Right. <laughs> you know, doesn't doesn't affect me in any way. And honestly sick of hearing about the draft now like it's, it's it's been too many years i don't care i just show up impress me make the right call like i i already got put off last year when they picked jack quinn over marco rossi so i'm just i'm just kind of like all right whatever let's give it three years and see how these guys turn out that's it's <laughs> fine you know but but i mean it, <laughs> maybe it's, it's the coaching joe maybe it's yeah, the coaching I, but you mentioned the draft because I'm like, man, I, I was literally jumping around my living room doing somersaults when the Bills won the lottery to get Rasmus Dahlin. And now mm-hmm. three years later, and I'm sure Coach Hitt has something to do with it. But I've said this. The guy looks closer to being the next Mike Weber than he does being the next Norris Trophy winner. It's uh, So, yeah, I'm done with, with tanking. I'm done with hoping we lose games so we might get a better draft pick. I don't have any faith in it anymore. And you're talking about this year's draft, which uh, stinks. Yeah, it's it's not setting up right. Like guys are throwing out the names of the uh, the, the the likely top three picks, and I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> I just I can't be I can't be asked to bother with it. I'm just like, what whatever, fine. If you get one of those three guys, cool, great. We'll see him in two years, maybe. Like, I it's, it, whatever, fix now. <laughs> do you know? Do you know if what you I... don't fix now, you're screwed. Because because right. Jack's gone after 2022. If that's I mean, if that happens, and then Sam's gonna walk out with him. And, you know, if T- Taylor Hall resigns here, great, cool. But is he going to want to be around here if those guys leave? Who's going to want to be here if those guys leave? Nobody's why would gonna... why would he want to be around here right now anyway? He signed one year for $8 million. And again, Kruger's gone. So, you know, we can get rid of that excuse. But the guy signed for $8 million. I'm sure he came with the expectation that him and Jack, win or lose, we're going to be 
really good together. And in what turned out to be Kruger's last game, Taylor Hall, who took a puck to the face too, skated out of line with, it was Sheehan and, uh, God, I don't even remember who the other guy is, man. Uh, I think it was, um, was it <laughs> I think it was Sheehan and Reinhardt, I think. No, it wasn't or, even um, Reinhardt either. It was, um, God, I, it's good. It's going to come to me in a second. I know Sheehan was the center though. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking to my mind, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me right now that, uh, He's skating out of line. Like, why would this guy ever want to come back? I'm looking for my text right now because I remember tweeting it up for the game last night. What's well, uh, what my favorite part of my uh, like of Riley Shahan? Like Riley Shahan came here on a PTO after Zemgus Girgensen's, you know, tore his hamstring in in um in training camp. And Riley Shahan wouldn't even be here if Gergensen's was healthy, which is crazy. And then he's <laughs> then Jack gets hurt, cousins gets hurt, and then suddenly Tate Riley Shahan's Oh, Tage Thompson, right? right yeah, right. it was it was she, Riley Sheehan and uh and Tage Thompson on a line with Taylor Hall. <laughs> it's like he signed up for this man. Yeah. Come on, I get injuries or something, but he wasn't playing with Jack before that anyway. I just yeah. don't see any Which reason why I, he'd want to be back. Yeah, uh, but I I understand separating those two. They they play exactly the same brand of game, so I get. It. There's only one puck on the ice. It's the it's the same conversation we had about about Jack when Evander Kane was here. It was just like they both want the puck on their stick you only have one puck, <laughs> you know, like right. you, you don't, you want both of those guys to shoot. Ultimately, you don't want them just passing off and deferring to their teammates or their line mates. Like you, you want those guys to, to run the offense. You don't want them, you know, to, you know, just like passing off and saying like here, uh, random unnamed right wing to, you know, to be, you take it like, no, like keep them apart and let them, let them make those lines better and make those guys better. Like that's, that's how that works. I, mean, I know in a video game, the, the best thing to do is just be no, all talent, one line, go kill everybody, and like that's 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 the beauty of video games. But um, <laughs> but it, it doesn't work that way in real life. Like you can't, you know, you've got guys that have certain styles of play that that either, you know, that they that they work better off with with other guys. Like you know, like as much as everybody wants to separate Sam and Jack, like those guys work well together, keep them together. But yet, yeah. you know, Jeff Skinner worked really well with those guys. And as soon as, as soon as Phil Housley was set out the door, they were, ne- they never were seen together again. So it's, just, you know, Hey, whatever. But do, do you know what I think, Joe, the turning, the biggest turning point in the demise of Kruger was, and we talked about some of them, I think, Obviously, the Skinner thing is a very big deal. Him being scratched and him constantly being on a fourth line all season, mm-hmm. that's baffling. Um, the Ico comments, which to some extent, maybe that threw Jack under the bus a little bit because it didn't take uh, an advanced stat expert to realize that Jack Ico wasn't himself out there this year. Mm-hmm. And maybe if his coach had said, hey, he's trying to play through a lot of stuff, fans might have had a, you know a different attitude in the media as well. But you know he wouldn't admit anything. But anyway, those are factors. But I think here's the biggest factor. And let me preface this by saying I'm not really making an excuse for Ralph Kruger. That's the last thing I want to do because <laughs> I've been calling for his head for a long time now. But here's the deal. Through the Sabres' first 10 games, Joe, they were 4-4-2 four, four, and two and looked reasonably at least competitive. COVID hit. And ever since COVID, which they were gone for almost two weeks, mm-hmm. their record since coming back post-COVID is two wins 14 losses and two OT losses. So they've won two out of 18 games since COVID after winning four of their first 10 before that. Now, I can't remember the teams off the top of my head. I, think, I want to say Carolina and Washington 
maybe it's maybe it's not those two teams or someone else. But New Jersey. I know there, there were a couple teams. Columbus, I can't remember. There were a couple teams I know that got shut down because of COVID, mm-hmm. and they actually came back and and got on a winning streak right away. The Sabers just completely and utterly uh, fell apart. Now he can't control COVID. That's not, of course that's not Ralph's fault. Yeah. So I'm not again. I'm not trying, but I'm not making excuses for him. But that said, why? Why? What happened to this team post COVID that just made them go from? Again, I I thought anyway. Maybe I'm wrong, but those first ten games, four, four, and two, it looked all right. Now I know injuries have something to do with it too, including mm-hmm. the goalie. Which God, we could spend a whole podcast talking about that. Yeah. But don't. Would you agree though? That's like the biggest downfall of the Sabers was was COVID because everything just went to shit. It seems to me after that. It's a contributing factor, definitely. And, you know, you know, tongue in cheek, maybe the strain that New Jersey, the strain of COVID that New Jersey picked up and gave to Buffalo was, was the losing hockey strain of COVID. Cause, yeah. Um, Cause I mean, I don't think anybody was really paying attention to how bad the Devils were going into that game last night. They were also on an 11 game losing streak. So, you know, like that's, that's pretty telling. But I mean, you know, Jersey's Jersey's had injuries too. They've had erratic play, and I, you know, I do feel bad for for Lindy Ruff having to deal with that. But, um, but I mean, I mean, as far as it affecting things here, I mean, yeah, I mean, you get a two week sudden break where I mean, you're not even practicing for those two weeks. You're just you're you're at home. You're sitting around waiting for waiting for the all clear, waiting for the okay to get back to to get back to playing, and um. That's tough. I mean, it's really tough, especially when all these other teams are playing and they're 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 kind of getting their wheels going. And you're right, Sabers were doing all right to start off. And you know, what I I don't I think at the time, I think I was still skeptical of, of how they were doing because you know a lot of those wins were against teams where it was just like mm, I don't know about like yeah, you know, beating right. the Rangers, beating the Devils, like okay, good, like good point. Yeah, I understand. Like yeah, you get you get get hype about it. Like that's okay, but. You know, it took the Capitals like about, you know, four or five games into the season to really get it going. And boy, they look good now. And, you know, I mean, they stomped on the Islanders last night. You know, Ovi's, Ovi's on a tear. So like caps are, caps are being the caps. So like that's, that's how that goes. But, um, but I think, you know, I, you know, and I, I was snark, I was snark, snarking for a bit about the, you know, what I think it was that last series against the Devils at home where, they they had back to back games with them, and they won in a shootout or won in an overtime and lost in a shootout or lost or won in overtime lost in overtime. Either way, you know people were just like, ah, they're doing okay, they're doing, they're, they're, they're steady, they're steady. And I'm like, I was like, dude, that Devils are the worst team in the league. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. get excited about having a three point weekend against a team in which that also other also had a three point weekend against me. You know, like I'm not, I'm not going to get high and mighty off a of, off a of beating and then losing to the Devils in the, in a in a shootout like sorry, <laughs> not, not getting hype about that one. <laughs> I was like, let's, let's see what happens now that they start playing tough teams. And uh, yeah, it didn't go well. Um, did not go well. And then the whole, you know, the Skinner thing erupts and, you know, they get shut out by the Flyers two games in a row, three to nothing and look like absolute dog crap in between. You know, I, Eichel played, you know, Eichel didn't play, then played in one of those games and they looked the same regardless. And it was like, oh boy, this is, this is going to get bad. Uh, this is this is this could get really bad if if Jack looks like this, you know, coming back from an injury, and then it, you know, it was you know, then they had to play the Islanders after that, and you're just like, oh man, this is <laughs> this is gonna yeah, get really, this is gonna get really ugly quick, and it did, and you know, teams that have, you know, I mean, you could compare the like 
I look at the star power in Buffalo's lineup and I compare it to some of the other teams in the division and it's just like, geez, how is this team bad? And it comes down to, to team discipline, you know, coaching and ability to, to, to have confidence in, in, in how they're playing. Like, I, you know, I look at the Islanders. They don't have a ton of stars. I mean, we'll see what happens now with Anders Lee out for the season. But, um, you know, that's a team I look at and I go, well, geez, they don't have star power. I mean, they have Barzell, who's great. Um, you know, Anders Lee's damn good. But I don't, I'm not wowed by everybody that they have. I'm certainly not. I'm not wowed by them up and down. But, geez, do I want to play them ever? No way. No way. They're a pain in the ass to play against. And they stick to the system no matter what. And, you know, the Caps have star power. You know, Philly Philly has stars, but they're kind of a mess. Pittsburgh, Crosby, great, cool. Um, you know, like none of that's none of that's enjoyable to deal with. And, you know, with Buffalo, it's like, you, well, Eichel, Reinhardt, Hall, uh, you know, Cousins is a hot, you know, high riser, like Darlene, like, you know, what's going on with this team? Like, how do they, how do they get it together? Well, I don't know. They've had five coaches in six years. Do you think that Pagula got, I don't want to say, kind of got swindled. He got fooled by Ralph Kruger and he thought he was a better coach. He sold, Ralph sold the Pagulas on being a good coach. And, and he really wasn't because look, at the end of the day, I mean, you kind of just hit on this. A coach gets the most out of their players. A coach in hockey, you know, you put the right combinations together, the right chemistry, and a, the good coaches get the very best out of their players. And again, we, we've already talked about this team has enough talent to at least be competitive, but we've just seen some horrendous coaching. I mean, look at the, the final, what, minute of that game last night uh, against New Jersey. Why would you call a timeout with 32 seconds left when they got you got the extra guy pulled and... New Jersey's guys have been out there forever. Get called for an ice seat and you call timeout to give those guys a rest. Mm-hmm. They were some of a couple of those guys were out on a two minute shift. And I saw that on Twitter. I'm like, people are just tearing that decision apart. Do you think that maybe it's just the case that, Hey, Ralph Kruger was never really that great of a coach to begin with. And he, you know, I guess to his credit, cause he's going to get paid. In fact, he's going to get paid next year, but he kind of swindled the Bagulas. I don't know, maybe swindled the wrong word there, but he certainly fooled them into thinking that, uh, He's a better coach than he was. I've got a, I've got a different way of looking at this. Um, Jason Bottrell was the guy who hired him, and Jason Bottrell knew Ralph very well, um, going back yeah. to when he was a kid. Um, like that, that to me is you know, and and when he made that hire, it was pretty well accepted that this was that 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 was Bottrell's last coaching hire, no matter what. Um, so if Ralph stinks, they're both going down with the ship, and. I think that's where things got thrown out of whack. I mean, it, it's almost like reliving. It's almost, you know, I wrote this in my in my column for Die by the Blade the other day about you know seeing ghosts, you know, ghosts from recent failure past. But this it reminds me a lot of what happened. It's 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 honestly the reverse of what happened with Darcy Regeer and Lindy Ruff when, you know, when they ultimately fired Lindy and everybody said, well, what about the guy running the show who's kind of sunk the ship? And they're like, yeah, we'll stick with him. We'll see how this goes. And everybody was like, no, like, no, he's the problem too. Like if you're saying Lindy's the problem, Darcy is too, because they're a package deal. They came in together and they said, no, we're comfortable with Darcy because he's gotten results. Okay. Well then, you know, you, you, you get your interim coach and Ron Ralston and say like, okay, let's see how this goes. And then, you know, they played okay after that. Like, I mean, I, I think that was more, I don't think I know it was more of a dead cat bounce, you know, like 
you, you finally change the voice in the room for the first time in 17 years. And yeah, some guys are going to bounce back from that. But when they doubled down and gave Ron a, you know, said, no, you know what? We, we trust these results in these last, you know, what, whatever games it was, uh, that these are going to stick and that this is the guy to go with for, for the next two years. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then he lasted, what, a month? A month and a week? Um, before he and Darcy were both shown the door? Like, okay. Like, congrats. Like, you, you, instead of getting out ahead of things and, you know, just scrapping it all and saying, like, forget it, we're going to start fresh with everybody, you, you half-assed it, and then here we are. <laughs> you right. know? So now you're at a spot where, you know, you, you, you kept Ralph and I get it. You know, he's got the respect of the room. The guys like him. Fine. I understand. Um, and, but it bring it zeroes me back to like the circumstances of, of how Bottrell gets fired. You know, how do you go from, how do you go from, from, from Kim telling everybody they have more information than the fans do and that, you know, they know how to use it and telling everybody that's why they're keeping Jason. And then a week later saying, yeah, just kidding. He's gone. And so, so are, you know, 25 other people on our hockey staff. Like, I don't, I don't understand how you flip the switch like that. And, you know, obviously finances seem to be a big part of that or just, you know, organizational thinking of saying, well, we don't need all this bloat. Let's just cut everybody out. Um, since nobody's going to be scouting games for the foreseeable future, or, uh, maybe we just get rid of all of our scouts and, you know, get rid right. of our GM and get rid of our assistant GM because what work are they going to be doing while this COVID thing's got it, got its grips on us. But, um, but I mean, it, you know, I, people are calling Ralph a, you know, you know, snake charmer, you know, snake oil salesman, all this stuff. And I'm just like, no, Jason brought him in. <laughs> Jason brought him in as his, as his hail Mary to say like, listen, if I'm going down, you know, my guy, either my guy's going to save me or my guys, you know, me and my guy are going to both be out of here. Right. <laughs> and instead they split the difference and said, well, uh, Jason's out because uh, he, you know, the story I've heard is that, you know, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but um, was that he was trying to go to bat for his staff because they wanted Bugles wanted to fire everybody. And Jason's like, hell no, I need these guys. And they were just like, all right, fine. You're out with them too. Like, okay. Bye. <laughs> like, right. Okay. Great. Like th- th- that's a way to do business. And by the way, new GM, Kevin Adams, you're telling all those guys that are fired. So congratulations on the new, on the new gig. But, um, but yeah, well, I'll say, I, th- I'll say this, Joe, um, Jason Botcherill, unfortunately is not going to go down in the, uh, annals of Sabres history in a positive light. I mean, if the Ryan O'Reilly trade wasn't, you know, the, the, the thing that people are going to remember, it might be the hire of Kruger because again, I can't remember a team that underachieved as much as it has, which you brought up Kevin Adams. And again, I, I get it. Bottrell's the guy who hired Kruger, but I think Kevin Adams deserves some criticism if for no other reason than, than this. The goaltending that the Sabres have this year behind Allmark is just putrid, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not on Bottrell. That's on Adams. Carter Hutton and then Johansson as the third, who's basically an AHL talent. He's had opportunities to maybe claim a goalie off waivers or make a deal with somebody. At some point, the GM should have said, this is just not good enough. Allmark was playing pretty well. In fact, mm-hmm. he won five, five of the games that the Sabres have. They won six games this year. Omar was responsible for five of them in 12 starts. Hutton and Johansson combined in 16 games at one win. There were games, here's what I'm getting at. The team still would not be good, so don't get me wrong. They still would stink. But 
there were at least some of these games over his 12 games, these last 12, or like I said, they won two out of uh, 18 since COVID. There were some games where if the goalie would have just made a freaking save or two, you know what I mean? Sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta be the difference. And we have barely seen that at all. So when your backup goalies are, are horrible, that's gotta be on the GM. Maybe if not initially at the beginning of the year for having them on the roster, for not doing something about it, that falls to me squarely on Kevin Adams. Yeah. And you're hundred percent right. <laughs> it does because the, the goalie market and free agency this, this summer was wide open. Uh, I mean, the, I, I think it was pretty clear they weren't going to invest a lot of money in, in finding somebody, especially when the, you know, the trade market is non-existent and, you know, you're not buying out Carter Hutton's last year. Like you're just not going to do it. Um, you know, no matter how, even if that, even, even though that does save you like a million dollars on the cap, you're, you're not doing it because it's going to cost you, you know, two years on the cap. Um, but like find a way to make a deal, <laughs> you know, find a way to make it work. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, obviously now goaltending is a huge issue and it's like I predicted uh, before the season started. I said, you better have three guys you can bank on because there's going to be, there's going to be injuries. There's, you know, COVID's still out there. And you better have you better have three that you can really bank on, like that you have a lot of faith in that if one goes down, your backup can handle it, and then the third guy can come in and and spell the backup if 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 it's a long term thing. And looking at the Saber setup, I was like, I don't trust this. And you know, Olmark, like Olmark's, he's a battler and he's he's good. Um, Hutton, I didn't have faith in. I was hoping that after, you know, the, the whole thing with his, uh, his eyesight surgery and whatnot, that that, you know, maybe that was the issue, but certainly doesn't seem like that's the issue right now. And, you know, Johansson, Hey, whatever that's, you know, that, I mean, whatever. Yeah. He's great. in The AHL he's mediocre at the NHL level. I mean, he's, he's a battler too. I mean, hey, it's not to say he can't get better, but, yeah. um, and obviously the way the team plays in front of him is a huge factor in, in his success, but, um, both guys but, have but, the same exact save percentage. Yeah. But I mean, nine, but it's like, you know, waivers and all this stuff, like guys that ended up on waivers, just, you know, you know, and I, you know, I look at what, you know, like Carolina, uh, Nedel Jokovic, I don't, I doubt I'm pronouncing his name right, but you know, they, Peter Mrazek gets hurt for them. You know, Ned has been like their third goalie for like the last two or three years in Carolina. And he looked iffy at times. At the anytime he's got NHL action, you're just like, boy, I don't know if this guy's got it. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how Carolina's going to hang in there if this guy's going to get a bunch of starts. Well, lo and behold, he's like a 950. He's like a 950 save percentage guy. In the meantime, while Mrazek's hurt, it's just like, well, okay. You know, sometimes you know a lot of it is make your own luck and like, hey, sometimes goalies catch a heater. And you're you're the better for it. Hey, Hutton last year was six zero and one to start the year for for Buffalo when they got out quick in October and everybody you know he had a nine he had a nine fifty nine fifty three save percentage or something like that, and it was just like wow hey all right this is cool, and you know things fell apart and that's that seems to be the Sabres thing just things fell apart and a lot of it is just having the fortitude and the ability or having other guys that can just step the hell up. When, when certain guys fall down or if they, you know, things struggle instead, it's just, it's an inward collapse of just like, Oh no, it's, it's happening again. I mean, I love Risto. Absolutely love him for his brutal honesty about everything, but hearing him say like, you know, I've seen it bad here before, you know, you just got to kind of roll with it. Boy, 
I'm so sad that he's in the position to be able to say that. And I'm, and it's terrible for him that he's, that he's the face of all that because he's been here, he's been here the longest and he's dealt with everything. And his, you know, this year for him has been absolute total crap, you know, just, I mean, from a, uh, not, not even his play, just in a complete perspective, it's just total crap. And he's so just unfazed now by, by losing where it's just like, yeah, shit happens here. So, you know, too bad. I mean, <laughs> he's got a numb to it almost. In a way. He is. He's completely numb to it. And like, this is stuff that we joked about a couple of years ago. You know, some of the writers were just like, well, you know, it's, you know, it's been a couple of years losing and that won't mean anything anymore. Well, yeah. And it's at that point, you know, and unless you've got like the, the personality to just be like, just F this, like, let's go out and get it. And Jack's got that. Sam's got that. It's, you know, it's a, it's a lower, lower intensity, visual intensity to it. I should say, um, Skinner's got that where he's just like, F this man, like, let's go. Um, but I mean, you know, for guys that have been in the organization this long, I mean, if I think about, you know, if you spent time in Rochester when they were bad and then you come up to the Sabres and they're bad and you're just kind of like, yep, losing. Yep. That, that's what, that's what goes on here. That's, that's them's the breaks like that. Yeah. And, and it's not even like, it's not even like you have to like clear everybody out who's experienced that and just say, well, you're going to get this losing culture out of here. It's like, well, no win games, man. Win some games and change that opinion and, and make it so that winning is is the high that you're chasing more than than the than the losing low is what you're fighting off all the time. Like that's that's something they talked about doing here when Bilesma came in and you know that didn't didn't take, didn't work. I mean yeah. walked around the room too much with a Stanley Cup ring that you know that, that guys were just right. kind of like, Yeah, Sidney Crosby won you that one. If Kenny Malkin won that for you, like, way to go, bud. <laughs> well, every everything you've said about the team and everything about Kevin Adams is correct. Or, but, but again, at the end of the day, get get a bet, get better goaltending. And at least some of these games, even when a team is good, even not this year, a good hockey team plays like shit and a goalie bails them out a handful of times. I've seen very few games, not just this year, but maybe last year too, where Sabres goaltending just flat out would bail them out. Maybe I got spoiled when I was younger with Dominic Hasek mm-hmm. and to some extent, Ryan Miller through the years. I, I don't know, man, but anyway, so before I let you go, all right, so I think two things. Number one, I think the Bagulas, despite Kevin Adams' denial that the fans have nothing to do with this coaching change, I don't buy that at all. I really think a lot of the things we talked about, and again, fans coming Saturday and them them not even being able to sell 2,000 freaking seats, 10% capacity to a game. I mean, Joe, fans have not been allowed, think about this. It's been, what, 12, 13 months since there's been a home game where fans are allowed to go to the game and you can't even sell out 10%. That had to be a message that finally resonated with uh, Terry and Kim. But anyway, bottom line is this. So they got Granado for now as the interim. Kevin Adams said the process is going to start now, but I'm not sure that we have any expectation that a head coach will be hired, a permanent one, anytime soon. But I just looked. Tim Graham just put up a tweet. It's from Bet Online. Uh, the betting website mm-hmm. odds on the next full-time Sabres coach. John Tortorella is the favorite at three to one. Then you got Bruce Bordeaux at seven to two. So three and a half to one uh, guy Boucher four to one, Jared Gallant five to one, Rick Tockett at six to one and Scott Arneal seven to one. When you start thinking in your own mind about a guy or two who you would like to see 
uh, Pagula's hire as a head coach. Any of those guys stand out or somebody else? Like, who were you thinking? The guy that I I would love to see here is Boudreaux. Um, I I think he would he he I think he would love coming here. Um, and I think about what he's done with the Capitals and the Minnesota Wild in the past, and people are going to be like, oh, couldn't he couldn't win in the playoffs? Ooh, eh. I was like, yeah, we'll look at the regular season results. You know, uh, he, ten he times two- in thirteen years, I think he made the playoffs or something. like Yeah, that. and people are just like oh, playoff choker. I'm like, well, what would fans give here to be a playoff choker? You know, yeah. to have like hundred point <laughs> seasons and then you know collapse in the playoffs. I think that would be more normal than, than whatever this is right now. But I mean, all joking aside, I look at what, you know, I think back to those days with the capitals and obviously that was more, it was more running gun. And obviously, you know, you got Ovi, you've got Backstrom, you got, you know, Mike green at the, at the height of his, you know, puck carrying scoring abilities. And I just see all that. And I remember that. And I think of what he did with the wild and he had a lot of, the, a lot of similar parts there i think i think his wild teams are a little bit more similar to what he would work with in buffalo but even even still like considering how the wild used to play before bruce got there and how they played once he got there and how they're playing now under dean evison um that to me is the kind of progression you like to have and being able to lean into your team's offensive abilities for christ's sake get a coach that can do that with this group (laughs) i mean this team, I mean, yeah, I mean, bad luck's a part of it this year. Um, but holy cow, like give yourself, give yourself a guy who knows a system on how to, how to take advantage of your players and, and to be able to do that. I think to me, that's, that's the big part. That's, that's such a huge thing. And I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, you know, whoever they bring in, I think, I think part of like the waiting game on this is to see, you know, how long it's going to be until Jack, you know, if, if he comes back, you know, I mean, everything's still kind of clandestine with that. But um, but if he comes back, man, I would love to have whoever is going to be the, the permanent coach to be in place when he's ready to come back in. Um, and if it's, you know, with like 10 or 15 games to go in the season, great. Um, get a head start on next season and just tell guys like, all right, this is how it's going to be. Let's get it going instead of, you know, just kind of treading water and saying, well, you know, you know, hey, Matt Ellis is doing some good work here and training these guys up, and Dan Girardi's work doing some good work with the D, and Don Gradado's, you know, helping guide the ship into uh, into the end of the season. But, um, but I think if you can get if you can get your permanent guy in here before before the season wraps up, that's that's the best way. But man, I I'm such a Bruce fan, and I was you know, listen, I supported the Kruger hiring too, so maybe take maybe take maybe take my 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 words with uh, with a lot of grains of salt. But man, I think I look at all the guys in that list, and Bruce is the guy to me that sticks out that that would get the most of what this roster right now has. And uh, to me, that's that's the important thing. I mean, if they're if you're going to lose games, lose them entertainingly <laughs> instead yeah. of these. Instead of these slogs where it's ah lost a lost a three you know two one game again oh crap lost three to nothing ah bummer. just want to have fun for two three hours watching right. a hockey game man you know it's like, not fun no it's, not it's fun. the furthest thing from fun like even last year like when they were kind of winning sometimes and then not winning it was just like yeah they're winning games but nah, it's boring as hell to watch like who wants to watch that and Bruce Bruce to me is the, the most fun guy and he's a fun quote so you know from a media standpoint that's Sure. That, that's that's a selfish that reason. Matters. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, Torts being on that list, 
He might get in a fight with you, though, man. I don't know if you like that. I, I don't know. I I've always <laughs> I've always gotten along with torts because to, I'll tell you. I, I think I told you the story before. But when I was in college, uh, my buddy and I got to do a got to do a preseason game in Syracuse, uh, and it was a Columbus Tampa Bay preseason game in Syracuse because at the time the Crunch were the Columbus uh, Blue Jackets AHL affiliate, and they played an any you know NHL game in Syracuse at the War Memorial, and uh, so the, for some reason, the Columbus guys, uh, the Columbus PR didn't do much to help us out at all for interviews. So we're just like, all right, forget them. Tampa Bay was great. They set us up with like players to talk to. They gave us all kinds of insane access. It was awesome. So we got to interview Tortorella before the game. And that was the season. This was 2000. Yeah, it was 2001. This was the season when uh, Vinny LeCavalier was, was holding out. And uh, their first round pick was Alex, Alexander, Alexander Svitov, and he was still in Russia. And so, of course, me and my me and my buddy Dom, we're both asked. We each, you know, I I hit him about Svitov and Torts just kind of did his like kind of, you know, he does like that kind of like, I don't want to talk about it sort of body language. And he's just like, he's like, well, you know, you know, he's a he's in Russia. He's going to be playing there. So uh, you know, I'm not concerned with him. I'm like, Sorry, 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 Torts. And Dom follows up asking him about Vinny LeCavalier and Torts. He would have blown a stack. This is before the game, mind you. This is supposed to be a nice, easygoing thing. But, you know, we're college kids trying to get our experience. And, and <laughs> Torts amps up the same thing. And he's just like, he's like, you know what? He's not here. I don't care about him. And I only care about the guys that are in this room, the guys that want to be here. And that's that with that. It was just like, oh, geez. Okay. Well, well thanks, John. Thanks for talking to us. And he kind of did like the, you know, the, yeah, thanks. Walk away thing. And it was, it was that. And like, that was my experience. It was like, whoa, that guy's intense. So like any other time I've encountered torts after that, I've had that fresh in my mind to be like, I mean, people, you know, there's a lot of people in the media that hate, hate him for acting that way and whatnot. I kind of appreciate it because it's a more natural way for a coach to react. It's not bottled up by, you know, with coach speak and nonsense. Like it's just, that's a dude that is a coach and he just doesn't give a shit what you say. Like, and he only gives a shit about his team. Don't ask him about the opposing team. He doesn't care. He only cares about what his team does. And whenever I, whenever I see a new reporter ask, he's like, well, what do you think about your opponent tonight? And I'm just like, Oh boy, I know how this is going to (laughs) go. Right. But like when it's a, when it's a, when it's a hot moment though, he's not going to pull punches. And now that he's getting older, he just gives less of a shit now. And I kind of appreciate that. That makes me weird, but like, I don't know. I kind of like that about him, you know, and and I'll be honest there. There's a lot of people in Buffalo that if they cross him, boy, oh boy, would it be explosive? Holy crap. It it would be fun to watch too, man. (laughs) But I'll say, I'll say this though. I mean, that is entertaining and fun sometimes from the media, definitely for fans. But I remember when Murray was a GM, I loved him just because he was very blunt. But at the end of the day, you got to win. And going back to what you said about Ralph Kruger, I remember being at least moderately happy about the hiring. I certainly didn't hate it. And I don't think anyone really did. So again, it's always easy for people to be, you know, Monday morning armchair quarterbacks when it comes to the coach. But that said, whether it, it ends up being torch, whether it ends up being... Boudreaux, whoever it may end up being, then this will be uh, the last question. We'll finish up with this. Where where do they go from there in terms of like this roster? Okay, so we all know about Jack Eichel. We're, we're hearing the rumors that if he's not asking for a trade, he, he might be suing because he's tired of losing. 
I agree with that. Um, maybe the next, hopefully the next coach could do something with Skinner because goddamn guys locked in for another, what, five years at 9 million a year. Uh, they're going to have a decision to make about Taylor Hall. Um, you, you're stuck with Doc Poso for another year at 6 million. Sam Reinhardt's going to get paid as a restricted free agent. Stall unrestricted. So he's probably going to be gone. Uh, he's still got Cody Eakin. You're stuck with him for another year. Tate Thompson's under contract for two years. I'm just going down some of this roster, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Rissalainen, who's been rumored to get traded forever. He's still here another year next year at 5.4. Colin Miller's under contract for nearly four, who's been awful at times this year. Uh, a lot of decisions, too, with free agents. I mean, And plus, Darlene, his, by the way, his entry-level contract pretty much being eaten up and only being where he's at in his career right now at this point is very concerning to me. But anyway, he's a... He's going to be an un, or restricted, I should say, free agent. Yoki Haru, uh, I was just a Olmark. Do, do we like him enough to continue with him as the 1A or maybe a 1B? He's an unrestricted free agent. There's a lot of guys that are key guys that are, you know, free agents, whether they're restricted or not. And then again, you're stuck with a couple bad contracts, especially Akposo and I think Colin Miller. Maybe hopefully, again, if Skinner could get turned around, maybe it's not quite so bad. But the next coach is going to have a lot of work to do. If you're that next coach, are you looking to take a lot of this core and get some new pieces around it, like better bottom six guys and one or two defensemen that you think could help? Or is your mindset going to be, yo, we ain't going nowhere with this roster. Let's blow it up as much as we potentially can, including possibly if you get the right offer, trading Jack Eichel. Like, what would be your thoughts if you're the head coach? I would want depth. Get me some freaking depth. Get me some good depth. Get me some quality depth so that um, you can make the best of of all of this. Uh, because I think at the top part, you've got the guys that that can make it work. Now, obviously, it depends on the coach and you know how how their system wants to go. Um, that's why I think that, that that's why I'm so focused on Boudreaux because I think he's the guy that makes the most sense for for the for these high end guys. Um, and he's not a guy that fears playing some some kind of roughneck characters, you know, lower in the lineup if you have to. Um, if you know if that's something that you need in the lineup, then he doesn't he doesn't fear doing that. That's for sure. Um, but I think he's the guy. He's the guy that if you add the depth to it to to this group, he's the guy that can figure it out. Um, and that's not to say that. Um, that's not to say that other guys can't. Uh, you know, I mean, they're all they're all coaches. They can all figure out ways. But I think what I, what I think in my mind now, I, I could be totally wrong. And, you know, video can, can certainly show me the error of my ways when it comes to that. But I, I, I think of the way Bruce, Bruce's teams have played and that's, that's what makes sense to me. But I think regardless of who you pick, you need better depth. Um, you cannot be, cannot be winging it with, you know, with just the, the top 18 guys that you have and just saying like, all right, this is good enough. Um, if any of these guys get hurt, uh, we're screwed. Like you can't, you can't run that way. And, you know, I think the latter part of that falls on, on who you're able to develop in Rochester and whatnot, but like, that's, that's a problem for another day. <laughs> um, but I think it, 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 get this team better depth, get this team more guys that can just kind of, you know, if you need to swap guys in and out of lines, it's not such a drastic, uh, dramatic point to do so. Um, that, that to me is, is the biggest issue. And it's, it's been the problem here for a long time, but, um, I think now you're finally at a point where you have more of those high end guys. And if you can get a, 
get a coach in there that can lean into those abilities of some of these other guys to get the best out of them at, at five on five and make it not such a, such a thing where, you know, they're relying on power plays just to get goals every game. Like that's, that's the guy you got to get your focus on. Now, if you're scrapping it and pull, doing like a whole start over, I mean, good, good luck to Kevin Adams dealing with the firestorm that comes with doing that. But, um, but I think at that point you need, you need a coach that's going to be more of a, more of a control, not a control freak, but just a guy who's going to have the command and the control in the room. And that doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, a classic old NHL veteran coach. Um, I think at that point, I think that's where the, you know, the, the rumors of Nate Lehman out of Providence or Scott Sandlin out of Minnesota Duluth uh, start to make more sense. Um, and, you know, the discussion points around, around Jack have centered around, you know, the, or Kevin Adams have centered around, you know, coming up with a future plan with and without Jack. And I think that, I think a next coach could be part of that. That's not to say that whoever ends up being the next coach is, is going to be the right way to read the tea leaves on that. But uh, I will say though, for, for hilarity purposes, uh, if Nate Lehman ended up being the next head coach of the the Sabres, hiring the guy that beat Jack Eichel's Boston university team in the national championship game certainly would be, uh, setting up Jack for a lot of questions he'll get really tired of really quick that first day of camp. <laughs> so your pro team keep Jack Eichel at the end of the day. Like you're not Absolutely. looking to trade him. No, no, I agree I, because I think that's that's a trade you lose ninety nine point nine times out of a hundred. I agree. Um, you know, I think of the Joe Thornton trade back in the day. I mean, Thornton went went and won MVP for San Jose immediately that season. Like. <laughs> you know, like that's like that's insane. Like that. That's and you how, know, and you know what would happen again if if it was Jack Eichel too. A hundred percent, hundred percent, it would. Hundred percent. Like, it, especially because if you're sending him out west someplace, um, like if you send him to L.A. and you've got him playing with like Andre Kopitar and and some of the like some of the you know, some of the old guys there, but also a lot of the young guys they have coming up. And I mean, granted, you know, one or one or two of those young guys would be going to Buffalo. I'm positive, but, um, but if you throw him in LA with some of the guys that they've got out there and, and having him play with uh, Todd McClellan, Kings have been playing like everybody had the Kings pen to be dog crap this year and they're playing pretty decently. Um, so like that's, that to me says like, mm, put, put some of those new young guys in that LA lineup in the next couple of years, man. They're going to be fun. And, you know, if you, if you throw, if you throw Jack into a system like that, good luck. <laughs> good luck trying to stop him out West. That, that's going to be horrible for everybody. But, um, but yeah, but like, that's, that's a trade you lose almost every time. And like the return has to be so huge that I don't think, I don't think teams are, teams don't want to pull the trigger on gigantic moves unless they're absolutely totally sold on that guy. And I just don't see enough GMs with the gumption to just say, yeah, fuck it. We're just, let's do this. Like, let's yeah. just, let's just make a big blowout, bang up blockbuster trade. Like that's NBA stuff. That's, you know, that's, that's major league baseball stuff. That doesn't happen in the NHL so much anymore. It's once every three years, you get a gigantic monstrous trade like that. And I just don't see, especially with the current economic climate and the flat cap for the next couple of years, I just can't see it. I really can't see it happening, but weird stuff happens, man. You know? Yeah. And the, and I, obviously if this continues to be terrible here through next season, that, that conversation 
is going to get a lot hotter. I mean, it's it's hot now for a good reason. Um, but the whether or not you're trading Jack conversation, I think once his once his his no move kicks in and he gets to pick his future if he wants to go, I don't want to be the GM having to deal with that when Jack comes into your office and says, you know what, I do want out of here. And here's where I'm willing to go. <laughs> Good luck trying to make a trade. You know, that's that's the last conversation I want to be having. And I, that's why right now you got to build this up and you have to make it immediately good and get a coach in here that can make it immediately show that you're going to be able to get this taken care of. Yeah, he's going on his fourth coach, whoever the next guy is going to be, man. And he's not going to, he ain't trying to sit around for a fourth coach that's not successful with another roster that's got to get redone and that doesn't work. I do. I agree with you. I think the one scenario where I could see a trade is essentially, I mean, you brought up the NBA and it doesn't happen often in the NHL, but he could force his way out eventually. You know, like you said, trade him now, or he's going to tell you where he's going to get traded at some point or it's going to be too hard. I don't know. We'll wait and see, but whoever the next head coach is, it's going to have a lot of work to do uh, managing this roster. And as is Kevin Adams with frankly, putting a better roster together because Every level of this hockey team right now is either weak or could stand improvement from the goaltending to the top six, which again, guys like Hall and Stahl are only here for, you know, the rest of the season. Maybe the blue line has been a disaster. Maybe better coaching. You know, you, you brought up Steve Smith getting fired. Maybe better coaching will help the defense that they currently have because it's a disaster right now. And then the depth. I mean, God, if I never had to see another after this year, Cody Eakin, Kyle Ocposo, uh, Tobias reader line again in my life. It'll never be, you know, it'll never be soon enough. Let's just put it that way. But eh, a lot of work to do, man. It's going to be really interesting. Anyway, give Joe a follow on Twitter at Joe Yurden. Does work for Die by the Blade. Does some AP work as well. One of my favorite guys, one of my favorite writers. Thanks for doing this first ever Emergipod. This is unplanned. I usually do Tuesday, Fridays. This is Wednesday early afternoon and we're kicking it. Thanks, bro. Yeah, you got it, man. Anytime. Uh, hopefully there's fewer emergencies in the future. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this first ever Emerger Pod. One more time, big thank you, Joe Yurden. Guys, subscribe to the podcast. I, I told you we're going to do Tuesday, Friday episodes, but we're also going to start doing some bonus episodes scattered throughout the month. Emerger Pods when something requires it. Today was definitely the first and won't be the last. A lot of stuff going on with the Bills. Who knows? And we might be having one of those soon enough. But anyway, thank you very much. I'll be back with Del Reed on Friday.